You're under arrest. Wait a minute. This is James Stock of the London Financial Times. Well, actually, Captain, I'm with the British Secret Service. The name is Bond. James Bond. Is he? Are you? Yes. And I'm Dick Tracy, and you're still under arrest. Welcome to episode 32 of the Central Intelligence Cinema Podcast. Today, Ben and I will be diving into part two of our review of A View to a Kill. So let's get right back to it, shall we? Take it away, Mr. Browson. Beg your pardon, forgot to knock. <laughs> Welcome to the CIC, initiating security clearance. My name is Napoleon Sultan. Bond. James Bond. It's a not. Felix Leiter. Ilya Kuriaki. Identity confirmed. Now, pay attention, 007. Welcome to Central Intelligence Cinema, a podcast dedicated to spy movies and secret agent pop culture. Your mission, should you decide to accept it. Remember, nothing ever goes according to plan. Sean, what do you think you're doing? The British and Ramsar. So. Recording from an undisclosed fire truck, which, hey, that ladder hasn't been locked down properly. It's the Central Intelligence Cinema Podcast. I'm Ben Esslinger, and with me, as should always be the case, Jason the Man Greenberg. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Ben. Welcome to the Central Intelligence Cinema Podcast, where we are about to dive into the second half of our review (laughs) of a view. To a kill. To a kill. To a kill. <laughs> our our Atlas shrugged of, oh my God. <laughs> of movie At- reviews. Atlas shrugged moving very quickly towards war and peace <laughs> of spy movie reviews. Uh, exciting stuff. <laughs> it, 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 well, you know, we're starting to see a trend where the Bond ones seem to take a little bit longer than most of our average ones. Although, indeed, any one of our tens of listeners will no doubt realize that we uh, frequently have diarrhea of the mouth on just regular <laughs> ones. and uh, We like to talk. We do. And you know, our, our ultimate goal is to get to the point where you can listen to literally one podcast all day at work while you're working. Um, so we're making our way there. Uh, and Baby steps. We're going to get to a point where after the two-hour mark, we're going to be like, all right, now everybody that's still listening, you might want to get up and stretch, maybe walk around a little bit. Yeah, or, or you know, <laughs> we're, maybe we're thinking of like engaging some sort of a uh, composer of movies to do a nice little intermission theme, little you know thing in the middle yes. where we get to the point and it just plays music so you can go go to the bathroom a, a legally beer. dissimilar version of something of something perhaps. you know that's <laughs> open source that we don't have to pay a whole lot of money for that's right um, that's right but uh yeah you know uh, we had fun doing the first half and i think we're gonna have fun doing the second half here so why don't we just get to it indeed let's do this so when we last left our favorite British spy, uh, he had reconnected the phone to uh, Stacy's uh, house, which uh, the phone connecting box just happened to be outside of her bedroom. Of course. Of course. And James felt like uh, he knew how to find his way there. Well, yes. <laughs> but of course, Mr. Bond. Uh, by instinctual. The time, <laughs> instinctual. It, it's as if he had some sort of bedroom radar. <laughs> uh, but of course, you know, after doing the deed, because James Bond literally can do anything. So when I say deed, I mean rehooking up the telephone, not something else. Uh, <laughs> James uh, gets back into Stacy's bedroom, and she has already fallen asleep Aww. with the lights on. Like you do. Like you do. <laughs> After and too much Chianti or whatever she what was it, drinking. It was the quiche. It was the... It was I mean, the, yeah. quiches are very heavy. <laughs> it was like a food coma. It, it certainly it had to have been, as far as I can tell. <laughs> um, clearly, our, our man James had watched a previous uh, James Bond movie starring Sean Connery and thought that maybe he should just be a gentleman in this particular circumstance. And, <laughs> And hold off. Maybe just let her sleep for once and not force his will. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much. And so um, we, we get through the next scene with uh, James waking up in a chair in her bedroom with the shotgun. Hopefully not still filled with rock salt. Um, yeah. Because <laughs> uh, that seemed fairly ineffective. Although, yeah, yeah. again, it could shoot through the posts in a staircase. So quite impressive. It is quite impressive. <laughs> but uh, as they wake up, there's an earthquake tremor that goes off. Sadly, the only tremoring that was going on in that bedroom that night. Ba-dum-sh. 
Hey there. <laughs> hey I'll, be, now. I'll be there all week. <laughs> be try, sure to tip your waitress. <laughs> try the veal. <laughs> but uh, they get up, they, they realize there's a headache or a headache, an earthquake. <laughs> and maybe there was a headache too. I don't know. She could have said that before she went to sleep. Stacy gets to her state of the art. Apple computer. Which, was it Was it an Apple? Was it a Mac? I don't know, but it I, was... I feel like it was an Apple too. I don't think Macs it, came out until the later 80s. I think you're right. It just, that particular model looks very Mac-ish and less Apple-ish. Yeah, uh, but like all, I, all it was about, was the Apple logo. There were, and I think the yeah. Apple logos used to have a two right next to the Apple. Product placement. <laughs> In a Bond film? No. Come on. <laughs> oh, we're having whiskers. That was the uh, Omega Watch uh, shout out of, of this movie. <laughs> it was like the precursor to Rolex Omega. Beautiful. Yes. But using this fantastic state-of-the-art bit of technology, <laughs> she's able to pinpoint that the epicenter of the tremor is right over Zoran's airfield. Oil field. Oil field? Did I say airfield, didn't I? Yes, yes. I did. Oil field. Well, technically, the blimp launches from the oil field, That's so, true. so it's, it's an airfield. <laughs> and an oil field. It's an airfield. Oil field. I don't know. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's both. A modern miracle of technology. <laughs> anyway, so Bond asked Stacy about the fact that Zorin is pumping seawater into his pipeline, which, let's face it, was clearly explained to him why this was happening by the dude at City Hall, but apparently that's not enough for James. Yeah, well, (laughs) we're only, you know, what, five minutes in, and we get to talk about more science. I know. Pseudo. Pseudo science. Because I still don't buy the whole thing about pumping water and making the fault lines pop up, but okay, whatever. But Stacy does point out that in the Bond universe, this is a very dangerous thing to do. Yeah. And so (laughs) with that, uh, Stacy brings us in to the gentleman that explained to James Bond mere moments ago why water was going into it at the Department of Conservation. Does that? It just seems weird that it's the part, not, not the Department of the Interior for the state of California. It seems very progressive. It does. For uh, 1985. But it is San Francisco. So, well, there you go. Maybe, okay. maybe they're one like, of the more progressive cities. Maybe and- they're like, you know what? You know, interior sounds so inside. <laughs> what can we do that sounds more purposeful? Yes. Niche. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. What'll, what'll differentiate the San Francisco Department of the Interior from everybody else's departments of interior? <laughs> anyway, um, so she she brings us, Stacy brings us the information to how how's like, yep, you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> just like that. I mean, just like that. Oh, you're oh, you figured out what I told that reporter from the Financial Times was a lie. Right. You're fired. Uh, which obviously we we know he's working for Zorn. But uh, didn't you kind of get that feeling anyway when you first met him? Yeah. Well, and the other thing about this is, too, is the fact that he is willing to fire somebody so suddenly. I mean, how long has she been working for this guy? That's what I want to know. Right. Even in 85, I feel like that just brings up a whole sort of bunch of HR issues. Oh, yeah. I mean, California's still in that will state as far as I know. I'm pretty sure they were in 85. Right. But- to fire without cause. Yeah. You still kind of have to have a little yeah. bit of cause. Yeah. Especially when you're dealing with a minority group of some kind. Mm. But, um, uh, I do think, though, that he probably even knows that there's a settlement going on with Stacy. So that's probably part of it. Her position was probably on eggshells from the get-go. Well, she sounded like she. her character is being portrayed as a kind of a crusader. And right. so she's right. already got a reputation. Right. Doesn't help her, her cause. But, no. Uh, and I'm sure Howe has not made the, what was his stack? Stock. Oh, James Stock. <laughs> the James Stock. Stacy Suck Connection. <laughs> oh, boy. Anyway, so she gets canned. Warm, warm. Warm, warm. Bond then meets with CIA agent, I'm sorry, CIA officer Lee. Yes. Can't say agent. We only have agents in the British Secret Service. Ah. But uh, the three talk about how, uh, along with Stacy, the three talk about how Zorn is clearly trying to start an earthquake. Clearly, clearly trying to start it because science. <laughs> because science. Uh, but that uh, flooding the mine wouldn't actually have that effect. Dun, dun, dun. dun. Uh, but Bond points out that if there are multiple oil fields owned by Zorn, then he could cause the necessary damage to make the earthquakes happen. It still, it still feels fuzzy to me. I, yeah. Yeah, again, again, this is what we were talking about in the first part. That why don't they just simplify this? I understand that they're trying to turn this into some sort of mystery or whatever, mm-hmm. but it just feels, it's almost like they're trying too hard right. to like make this 
complicated or mysterious when they don't necessarily need to? No, it almost feels like they were really trying to shoehorn a James Bond evil villain plot into a movie that didn't need it. Because when you think about it, they already explain the importance of microchips in daily life. They also explain that EMPs (laughs) are a thing. Right. And so... Could you not have had him built some sort of an EMP generating yeah, device? I was kind and of. It didn't have to be a nuke. It's funny that they don't ever. There's no payoff for the description of an EMP, really. No, other than that, it's bad, and that the department or the minister of defense right. for the UK doesn't understand what an EMP is <laughs> and how right. bad it is whereas, until Bond explains it. Right. Whereas if they actually now, granted, they do talk about the fact that a nuclear bomb in and of itself is an EMP. Yeah. But it would have been more, I think it would have been more interesting if they would have been able to come up with a way, you know, like them saying, yeah, like you were saying, actually developing an EMP. Right. Specifically for that. That purpose. And I mean, maybe that doesn't give you the, the long term you're looking for, because right. obviously you can fix broken things that an EMP does. You also could have gone the way of Quantum of Solace and just had him financially decimate yeah. every company uh, and corner the market, literally financially corner the market on, on microchips. Right. You know, so instead of water, you're changing it for technology. Mm-hmm. But then you've really got the whole evil billionaire, I'm not Elon Musk, but it could be <laughs> kind of thing going on. Right. I, I don't know. Either way, it's silly, but it is what it is. Right, right. And, and perhaps we should just get away and move on, huh? Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, Lee decides to take this information out to his superiors so that uh, Washington can get involved and help. But nope, nope, nope. Gets nope. into his uh, big old Bronco. Music's blaring loudly. Apparently he <laughs> listens to the music loudly because he doesn't look at the radio funny. And <laughs> yeah. off goes Mr. Lee. It is funny that that is a thing in Bond movies. Like music being turned way up so you can't hear somebody getting right. murdered. Right. <laughs> like it's the exact same thing in Living Daylights when suddenly they crank to 11 where has everybody gone? Right. <laughs> <laughs> as the as the milkman is strangling that guy. That seems to be henchman 101. Right. <laughs> That's and the playbook for Henchman 101. You would think at this Bond point, when Bond comes out and looks at the car and he hears the music coming out of the Bronco, he should just he come running. Just, running. <laughs> just start running. Hold on a moment. <laughs> Off he goes. I hear very loud rock and roll music. I need to go save someone. <laughs> just a bit. But, uh, yep, uh, Off Lee goes into the great mystery beyond. He goes first. <laughs> for you, Mr. Bond. But... <laughs> Of course, the bad guy then drives off in Lee's Bronco, right. giving the impression that he's not dead. Right. So Bond and Sutton are just like, okay, fine. There goes, okay, bye, bye, bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs> Bye, Lee. Um, they head back to the Department of Conversation. Con- I did it again. <laughs> Department of Conservation to look up records. Wow. <laughs> she has an Apple computer in her house mm-hmm. that can detect where and what... Uh, magnitude well, uh, yeah. an earthquake is, but they have to go to the Hall of Records to find what they're looking 1985. for. 1985. I know. It was a, it was a transition period. Yeah. You know, I mean... My school records were on paper, too. The, the WWW know? wasn't quite out there just yet. Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> Nobody knew what a server was. They didn't <laughs> right. know that you could store files. Right. Or a quote-unquote database. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, what do you mean? What do you mean? What is this database that you speak of? <laughs> so anyway, so they're basically going back to City Hall after hours. But uh, Stacy remembers she's still got her ID badge, which apparently in 1985, when you're fired, nobody turns off. Nope. Not that quickly. Oh, heck no. I mean, we didn't have real computers, so somebody had to do that crap manually, I'm guessing, rather uh-huh. than just click a box on the screen. That shit takes like three days back in 1985. Oh, maybe a week? Yeah. It's like a check clearing. Which might be why you would, <laughs> I don't know, confiscate the badge before you let them go, but hmm. who am I to comment on the uh, <laughs> the lax security of the city hall building of the city of San Francisco? <laughs> Or the Department of Conservation. Mm-hmm. Very good, Jason. <laughs> anyway, so uh, they get in there. She uses her badge to get them into City Hall. And they find a map that shows uh, the main strike, which uh, the main strike line, which is part of a mine, uh, which is near the San Andreas Fault. Yeah, this is all just... Oh, it's Exposition 101. Yeah, but it's Exposition 101, but it also still feels like it's not telling me hardly anything. You know what I mean? Yeah, well... 
shaky premise, shaky yeah. explanations. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so they make this uh, incredible sort of vague discovery. Um, <laughs> and Zorin shows up with Mayday in tow. Wiving gun. Oh, so you guys are in cahoots now. Look at that. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> you know, I hope you nailed it. <laughs> <It's okay>. Because <laughs> you're not going to get a chance soon. 1985. 1985. <laughs> Bond takes a few jabs at him, calling him a psychopath, that Dr. Mortimer must be proud, but, you know, he kind of shrugs it off. I think Soren's feeling like he's in control at this point. Yeah. You know, he's feeling the power that comes along with being Max. Yeah. And he walks him over to Howe's office and uh, sets it up. I can't even, I don't want to minimize the thing. The little monologue he goes off on on this, yeah. again, the subtlety of what he's doing in this movie is so A, not Christopher Walken that we get now very right, often. Right. But B, it's so earnest. Yeah. I mean, he's, well, again, fully committed. This is top tier Christopher Walken. Absolutely. And it just makes everybody else in that scene just look like they got hired for the day and they're going <laughs> to send them on their way. And so, again, kudos, Mr. Walken, for elevating this to a level. And I love how how at the end of it, he's like, but that means I would have to be dead. <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> I was dead on the floor. Uh, in come the rest of the uh, genetically superior human oh, beings. Right. Uh, including Jenny Flex. Jenny and Flex and Panho. They've got big old tanks of gasoline, <laughs> you know, right where this is going. Yeah. We're going to burn it down. <laughs> We're going to burn down City Hall of San Francisco. Uh, yeah. It's fine. It's, it, <laughs> hey, if you got to make an earthquake, listen, you I know. Break a few eggs. <laughs> listen, I know it's 1985, but wouldn't you think that there would be some video cameras recording something? Right? I mean, there's, it's City Hall for yeah, crying out loud. Yeah, there should be some. There were security guards when they came in. She right. had to show the badge, it's right? It's a major metropolitan city. Yeah, which begs the question, how did Zorin get in in the first place? Apparently, Zorin has the keys to the city. Apparently so. I mean, he is a millionaire. Is he a millionaire or a billionaire? Did we establish? I, I don't think that. Did they even have billionaires well, in the like 80s? A, they had a couple, I think. Did they? I think a couple. Uh, well, no, I, I don't even think that Jobs or Gates was at the billion level. No. Bruce Wayne was, though, I'm pretty sure. Well, <laughs> yes. You know, so Bruce Wayne and Lex Luthor were definitely billionaires. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I know that this young this young entrepreneurial fellow named Jeff probably hadn't even gotten close to anything at that <laughs> nope, point. So, nope. So, yeah. I think Gates was closest, probably. At that point, probably, yes. Yeah. But probably still, ha I don't think he got to billions until the 90s. Yeah. So I'm going to say, we'll say Max is a millionaire unless somebody writes in and tells us differently. <laughs> um, so they set fire to Howe's office. Then they take Bond and Stacy and cram them into the elevator and then lock them out of the elevator. Right. Because you do. Which, okay. <laughs> well, let's move on. I mean, you're setting the building on fire, but definitely give them the ability to get out of the fire. <laughs> right, right, right. And they, they they disconnect one of the what's his name Scarface Malone. Um, oh, Scarpine. Yeah, Scarpine. He uh, he reaches in and does something to deactivate the elevator. Yeah, yeah. Which so it's stuck halfway in between floors. So it's stuck halfway in between floors. Now I want to point out that if you look at the thing that he reaches into to deactivate the elevator, mm -hmm. Bond later goes in there to pull the fire hose out. So I'm not saying that that wasn't where you deactivate the elevator, but I'm pretty sure that that's the only thing that was in there was a fire hose. However, acting, acting. <laughs> uh, so uh, Bond and Stacy are stuck inside the elevator car, but you know Bond's not worried. Never. Even though <laughs> Stacy, on the other hand, is oh, losing god. her mind. Oh god, this is one of those reasons why she literally rates at the bottom of my Bond girls list. Don't it's leave just, me, Jim. Just all of that, just oh. all of the this. This is too much. This right. is, I'm. I can't handle this much. Well, you almost have to wonder if she was like genuinely terrified. I mean, maybe during the making of the scene, <laughs> and it was translating well because it's literally the best acting she does in the entire film. Right, she seems terrified, She's like legit terrified. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, Bond uses the old escape through the top hatch of the elevator trick. Oh, but the ceiling's very hot. The ceiling's hot. <laughs> it's very hot. It's very hot. <laughs> Manage to... Man, here's the other thing. <laughs> I'm not sure 
I mean, I'm not an elevator technician. I don't play one on TV. Right. But I feel like an elevator car is going to be supported by more than two wire ropes. And, and, and yeah, and maybe those wire ropes would, would be able to handle fire a little bit better. Maybe than... it, the level of fire that we were clearly seeing in there. Right. I mean, they didn't even look like they were melting, which would seem no. to be the case. They were just breaking from the weight of two yeah, human like, beings. That would have to be the hottest fire ever or at least it would have had to have been burning for a couple of hours right for for it to be hot enough to burn through metal cables yeah but apparently these cables nope this was not a union job this nope was, nope <laughs> well it was all about conservation right so they were conserving oh, on spending money on okay. the elevator <laughs> anyway so bond managed to pull stacy out just for the car goes crashing down to its inevitable death at the bottom right. of the shaft which seemed a lot further than four stories if yeah, you ask no me. Yeah, no kid that looked like the Die Hard building. It did. <laughs> you know, at the, <laughs> the very bottom you're going to get a guy rolling on the car. I have a machine gun too. Woo. Oh my gosh. But um, And of course and of course she passes out from excitement or or uh fear fear. She just like she can't even walk anymore and no. he has to carry her. I mean I have a hard time believing she's, you know, it's smoke inhalation. He's fine. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the whole thing. So they get out of the elevator. Bond is very clever, uses a trash can to hold the doors right. open. Actually, kind of a good moment there. I, right. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. But he gets out, and rather than going downstairs to where the fire isn't and you can walk, Bond chooses <laughs> to go upstairs to the roof. Well, maybe That's he... on fire. <laughs> the rest of the building is not on fire. Third floor, not on fire. Second floor, not on fire. First floor, definitely not on fire. Let's go up to the part that is. Well, it looks more heroic when you go down the fire ladder. And you have more a, of a chance a of looking at, 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 at Tanya Roberts' butt for longer on screen. <laughs> Maybe that has something. I feel like that was the only motivation. Well, that uh, and... To get that and for that John Barry to play... In a very heroic sort of way, the A View to a Kill theme. Right. Which is the only thing that kind of saves this whole oh. area. And by save, you mean just makes it barely watchable. <laughs> Wouldn't go that far. Oh my gosh. And it feels like this whole scene is designed to bring in the bumbling idiot cop. <laughs> the new version of the bumbling idiot cop from right. Light, uh, from uh, Live and Let Die, you know. Well, thank yeah, thank God it's not Pepper, because if it was Pepper, I would... I'm pretty sure that's his nephew. His upstate New York nephew? Yeah, it's... it's, it's his it's, New Jersey nephew, yeah, actually. It's his, it's his nephew that uh, that flew into the West Coast, because he's a little weird, you know? <laughs> yeah. We were all happy to see him go. Um, <laughs> but, you know, this guy comes in, make a hole, get rid of these cam oh, camera crews, yeah. da, 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 da. And then Bond gives the most ridiculous explanation I think I've ever seen in a James Bond movie, and and delivers it as if, how do you not understand all this? <laughs> yeah, he's like, I'm British Secret Service. How can, do you not get I, it? Can you all tell from my accent and how handsome I am? <laughs> Everyone knows. Look at how tan I am. <laughs> Come on, look at my piercing blue eyes. <laughs> but, you know, we go, and I do like the cops, like, I don't really care. I don't even remember the line he well, says. Well, I, I love, now I do love the, the snappiness with which it goes from him saying, I'm British Secret Service, and he goes, yeah, and I'm Dick Tracy. Right. And right after that, Bond opens the, the water right. line off the truck and, like, sends him, you know, 10 feet back <laughs> or whatever. Like, I actually kind of like that just because the timing of it was so well. It, it, it did. It worked out real well. The way that it actually did. It. did. it wasn't, like, super corny. It actually looked like it might have actually worked. Right. <laughs> no doubt. But is this, do you think, the longest you go into a Bond film before he says his actual name? Uh... Yeah, because he doesn't say it until the fire engine scene. It's yeah, Sinjin Smythe. Because everything else Stop. is everything else is yeah a cover. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's I mean, it's not the longest. Well, up until this movie. Yeah. Because you know, Casino Royale says yeah. it the last. But I mean, second. up until this point, that may have been the very longest. It might be that, because that I, seems I can't think legit. Of, I can't think of one that you don't get the Bond James Bond in the first half. No, hour. definitely not. I'm trying to think if if there's one even at the very beginning of this movie. I might have to mm. go back and look. But no, I don't he's think skiing so. at the beginning of the movie yeah when he gets into the, sh the shagberg or whatever yeah, the we shagberg call it. that's it <laughs> yeah baby <laughs> i mean she already knows who he is right 
Everybody and, at uh, MI6 knows who he is already. Right. I mean, unless there's he, a lot of people unless, calling him Bond, unless but he delivers it to to Tibbet at some point, no. but I don't think so. No, because M's like this is Commander Bond. Everybody calls him Commander the whole time, right? Right. So it's not that he doesn't. People aren't acknowledging who he is, but he's Sinjin Smythe for he, so damn long at the beginning of the movie. So he doesn't actually get to deliver the Bond, James Bond. Yes. I'm Sinjin Smythe, James Sinjin Smythe. I just wonder, like, where did he? Did he just like? Think of that on the fly. Does he have like a mental Rolodex of of <laughs> of cover names that he rolls with? One would to- hope that if he was an actual spy, that there's an actual James Stock that writes for the Financial Times, right? And he was you know using it as his bona fides, or maybe I don't know. MI6 has a cover right. just in case one of the double O's needs to use it, right? But at this point, I feel like he's like, I have to come up with the name. I have one. Let's go. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> So, uh, Bond reveals, obviously, that he's part of the British Six Service, uh, gets rid of the annoying cop by spraying him full of water, and then decides, you know what? There's keys in this fire engine. <laughs> Let's, steal Let's just a- take this. Let's steal a fire truck in the middle of downtown San Francisco, oh, yeah, because yeah, yeah. what could- What could possibly go wrong? What could go wrong? They wouldn't possibly send the feds out to- No, <laughs> to no. Chase just, just three police cars in the worst- homage to the Blues Brothers I think I've ever seen in my life. And Stacy just jumps right in like, whoop, in for a penny, in for a pound. Whee! And I do I do love how they conveniently have one of the firemen as the as the truck is driving away, he's like, hey, that ladder's not secured right. properly. And you see the handle. Clackety clack, clack, clack. <laughs> I wonder if that's going to play in later in the scene. I have no idea. Hmm. <laughs> But they go driving away. The wet cop gets up, who, by the way, by the end of this chase, doesn't look wet anymore. <laughs> Starts following him along. Different shoot date. Different shoot day. You know, <laughs> it, it was hot, but not so humid, which almost always happens in San Francisco. So naturally, he dried off very quickly right. at night. <laughs> <laughs> but they go, so they're driving. There's a chase with the fire engine. Okay. You know what I love? <laughs> <laughs> what do you love, Ben? I love the back projection when oh. <laughs> when Roger is hanging, quote unquote air quotes, hanging from the ladder. <laughs> He's like, not this way, that way. Right. <laughs> <laughs> now, it's actually, it's simultaneously hilarious that it's back screen projection and also maybe the best use of it I've seen in quite some time because it actually doesn't look entirely fake. No, no. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that that they actually use some camera movement. Yes. While they're while he's just basically probably standing right. and holding on to this. But they thing. were mimicking what was happening behind right. him. The whole thing patently ridiculous. <laughs> right up to her flipping on the sirens because she knows how. Let's oh do it. Oh my god. Click. She's she's so excited. She, I thought she wanted to is. do that. Exactly. <laughs> also, this is the uh uh fourth instance of um <laughs> the what do we decide to call it? The James Bond Wilhelm scream. Yeah, but we were we going to give it its own name? Well, Technically, he's just revealed who he is. So, so I guess it is a James. This Bond This is scream. the first instance of the James Bond Wilhelm scream. <laughs> Prior to this, it was the James Sinjin Smythe Wilhelm scream. Yes. <laughs> I just again, I love picturing him in a sound booth doing ADR and this <laughs> going. Thing. Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. Uh, so Roger, um, a little bit more this time. <laughs> All right, I think I can do it a little better. Give me a moment. <laughs> could I have a glass of water, please? <laughs> this is this is really drying me out. <laughs> so we get the usual kind of hijinks you get with a fire engine, ladder engine that's moving sideways. Right. And cowboy hats are getting knocked off. Oh my god! Um, this is so eighties. This this area is so eighties. The cowboy hats getting hats getting knocked off. Then it slices the top off of that off the back of that truck and right. of course of which two people are having sex in of course of course they are <laughs> of course i'm surprised it wasn't the surprised guy right 1985 right <laughs> but uh probably it has nothing really to do with how they shot the scene but now anytime I see a fire truck ladder scene, it makes me think of Terminator 3 when uh, she's driving the fire, the bad Terminator's driving the fire truck and Arnie's driving a crane or something like that. Oh man, and I don't even remember the crane that. becomes the issue rather than the fire truck. Okay. But it's like that, it's the CGI version of this with buildings getting knocked over and things like right. that. And all I'm thinking <laughs> is there, I don't often say that Terminator 3 is a good movie, <laughs> but compared to this one... <laughs> 
I mean, the, the main female character plays a robot and she shows more emotion than the main female character in this movie. You know, somebody online actually, you know, because the Vito Kill is hitting theaters right about now. So there's a lot more talk online about a Vito Kill. And somebody mentioned how this scene, the fire truck scene, is either total crap or brilliant, depending on how many drinks you've had. And I would have to say... That's a valid statement. Absolutely. Because if I was like three drinks in and I was watching it, it would be the most hilarious, brilliantly choreographed scene (laughs) I've ever fucking seen. Chaplin level. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) Especially when you get to the bridge, too. You add that part to it with the cop car sliding down yep. <laughs> well and that's this is what brings in the whole blues brothers thing for me because there's right. that scene in the blues brothers as well but they managed to jump a fire truck a fire truck <laughs> so so yeah definitely not a police car yeah the police car definitely well you know it is funny how quickly it became way steeper by the time right by the time the police cars got there right like a turbocharged <laughs> that last section of the the ramp right but the thing that amazes me most is that the fire truck gets over the other end with no damage. Yeah. I also find it interesting that the operator of the ramp is not able to simply stop it and send it back down. Instead, well, it's just going to keep going. <laughs> well, well, you it's, know, it's just going to keep going all the way up. I, so. I don't know what to tell you. It goes one direction, and then when it's done, it goes the other direction. But nobody Sorry, thought guys. we'd have to stop it in the middle. Sorry, guys. I guess you're just going to slide backwards to your fucking doom. <laughs> Well, you know, they give you the, the the James Bond American cop thing where the captain's chewing them all out for damaging the car. Right, and then... And then his car gets damaged. Oh, no, why look like I've got egg on my face? <laughs> whoop, whoop. Again, American Bond. This Ugh. is this is that whole, like, they're really trying to push that American This This aspect. might be the reason I like the Daniel Craig movie so much. <laughs> is they don't treat Americans like, you know, their Complete stupid fools. <laughs> stupid idiot sister across the ocean. Yeah. yeah. I mean, granted, we only really get one real representation in Felix. Right. But that Felix in those movies is not treated like Felix exposition hyphen lighter. Right. <laughs> He's an actual character who's competent at doing his job. Right. But, you know, that's that's another podcast. That is for another podcast. And so obviously Bond and Stacy make it over in their ladder fire truck jump. <laughs> Police officers can't get her because what? Bridges don't go down until they've gone all the way up. Yeah. And that leads us into Act 3. All right. So, Act 3. Let me just start off by pointing out they didn't even change vehicles in the middle of the night. You needed it for a disguise. <laughs> I just don't get it. I just, <laughs> it's just, just like now I think this was just one of those things. I hadn't seen the movie in a while. And so I hadn't even thought about this in so long. But when he rolls up still in the fire truck, this is a state paid for fire truck. And you mean to tell me nobody went looking for that thing all night long? No low jack. <laughs> and they're driving outside of city limits. Ugh. I mean, it makes sense, right? He needs, a, he needs a way to get on here without people questioning him. Well, yeah. So you go rolling up in a fire truck, nobody's going to stop you. Well, yeah. I mean, that's absolutely Even if you're certain. wearing a leather jacket and no fireman's <laughs> uniform with a chick in a white dress sitting next to you, you got that hat on. That's right. You should have made her put a hat on, too, just to make it even more ridiculous. <laughs> So anyway, they stop this truck that's loaded up with explosives, <laughs> and then they take his truck and ID, and then and, and now, his overalls, and his overalls, and now she finally has a hat. Right. <laughs> it still doesn't. It, it still, doesn't match the heels, but she's got a hat. That's right. Now she just looks like a stripper. <laughs> <laughs> she kind of does. Like she's like a stripper costume. Like, like you, I'm like a sexy minor a, worker. Yeah, like, you'd, like you'd find at a union hall kind of thing, you yeah. know, like the, the international. She's going to come out of a cake. And <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Tool belt on. Oh, boy. We're going to get in trouble if <laughs> yep. we don't stop. So let's just move on. Dangerous waters. Let's move on. Uh, <laughs> so they get to the mine site. And uh, boss is like, go take a coffee break. And then <laughs> nothing strange about it. And as they're walking away, or as she's walking away, I should say, 
He's noticing the heels. And that's when we get that very 1985 line where Bond goes, it's women's lib. They're taking over the Teamsters. It's just 1985. <laughs> this is dumb. I'm sorry. This is, but please. So in the meantime, Stacy finds the tightest uniform she could possibly slip into. Right. And bear in mind, another pair of overalls, different from the one that she was already wearing, but it right. says Zorin on it. Right. So she finds the tightest uniform possible to blend in. Right, right, right. <laughs> but not a pair of boots to help her with the heels. Right. So they sneak into one of the train carts full of explosives and uh, ride down into the mine. Boom. This this microphone bump brought to you by Jason. <laughs> Leaving that in. Anyway, um, <laughs> so... Conveniently, they're able to easily get off the cart and sort of sneaky, sneaky under the tracks or whatever. And then they uh, they manage to sneak into this control room and watch from behind the door as Zorn and Mayday and Jenny Flex, um, they arm this huge bomb. And uh, as Bond is sort of continuing to watch them lower it down, Stacy uncovers yet another massive map <laughs> with lights. With lights. To tell, to tell the entire story of what the final master plan is is entailing at this point i mean it's pretty fantastic because up until this point as you've pointed out a couple times everything feels a little vague right what the thing is so the payoff for this is you get a gigantic table with lights that tell you exactly what's right this is the this is the closest you're going to get to really laying it out in the simplest of ways because it's visual right because (laughs) you know the only simpler way would be is if you put i don't know you had a gigantic map of the united states on the floor of your (laughs) lair and you put a acetate over the city of california and otisburg (laughs) otisburg So yeah, they look at the, the the big table map and they figure out that Zorn's trying to make a double earthquake. Double earthquake. Double earthquake. <laughs> All the way. What does it mean? <laughs> it means Silicon Valley's gonna die. <laughs> Just then, once they sort of figure out what's about to happen, that's when Zorn tries to break back into the control room. So Bond and Stacy go out the side window and we get this really weird read from walking again. It's like, Gallium! Like, I can't even do it. Anyway. Another great acting decision from Christopher Walken. So they make a run for it, and then Mayday very acrobatically goes after, along with Jenny Flex in tow. From here... While Mayday is sort of continuing her pursuit of Bond and Stacy, then we see Zorin decides to flood the mine early. Early, despite all the workers and Mayday and Jenny Flex and Pan Ho. So everybody's now sitting ducks, and he doesn't care because now the full psychopath is coming That's out. Right, and the best, very, very best part of this movie: watching him fire weapons and, and say nothing, just <laughs> the glee. Yeah, he's not even hardly laughing. He's just. <laughs> Just the glee on his face. He's just kind of shaking and his hair is getting all screwed up. It's like it's no longer perfect. It's just kind of getting frizzy. Yeah. (laughs) I could watch this scene over and over (laughs) and over again and never get bored of the glee. Just goes full psychopath and just starts mass murdering all of these mine workers. Give me some extra clips. Yeah. Like even the guys, like I remember too, like right when he decides to start flooding it, I forget who the, the head of the mine operation is, but he's like, these these men are loyal to you. And he's like, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> and that kicks him off the to the with the men down in the water, doesn't he? He's yeah. like, I'm done with you. <laughs> off you go. Hey, Scarface Malone, give me more clips. Ooh, I love Uzis. <laughs> Uzis are so 85. Oh my God, they are. <laughs> Nothing says 80s like Nothing Uzis. says 80s action movies like a nine millimeter Uzi. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> While Zorin's killing everyone, um, we cut back to Mayday, Bond, and Stacy. And Mayday fights with Stacy for a little bit before she, <laughs> like, very conveniently eschews the Zorin onesie. Yeah. And it just sort of <laughs> s- slips right off, and now she's in her sexy dress or yeah, whatever. She had the dress on underneath the overalls the whole time. And I'm going to tell just you right in case. now, <laughs> that thing was too tight for that dress to have actually been on underneath uh-huh. it without you seeing that there was a dress on underneath. Because, <laughs> I mean, that thing would have been hiked up to things. Yeah. <laughs> Tchaikovsky. 
So anyway, but she manages to get away from Mayday, and then Mayday go- tries to go after Bond, uh, but the water comes rushing through, and that's when I don't... Now, in this moment, I don't know if he actually lets go or if the water takes him. It's not really it's, clear. It's a little fuzzy right there. But anyway, like Bond and Mayday like go flying down with the current of the water, leaving Stacy above to just sort of climb out to safety without anyone going after her. So meanwhile, in the main mine area, it is just it just the chaos continues and Zorn continues to murder people for sport. <laughs> and then he's like Good. Right on schedule. <laughs> Where was that choice from? I think I've, I'm pretty sure I've heard him say schedule in movies before. Oh, boy. That was a conscious choice to oh, use. Oh, definitely. That, yes. You know, schedule. <laughs> I wonder if he did Coke in the 80s. <laughs> I don't know. Because <laughs> I kind of wonder if maybe he really. <laughs> he was really enjoying the was, whole thing. He was really enjoying the shoot day that day. <laughs> shoot day. <laughs> So at that point, Zorn and Scarpine, uh, they start heading out of the mine. And so I forgot to bring this up earlier. When the first explosion goes off, when they decide to flood the mine, they cut to the outside of this lake. And there's a <laughs> fishing, the guy in a fishing boat and the explosion goes off and it sends the guy flying up into the air in his boat. And, it, and of course, they have to return to it now because now the, the lake is completely empty. And it's just, the gag just doesn't work for me. No. It's, just, it's another one of those like forced things in there, actually not dissimilar from all the science-y stuff. Right. Like, it's just one more thing that they just like, they'll throw that in there too. Well, and San Andreas Lake is huge. Right. Relatively compared to what you think you're looking at there. Right. And so... Like, he looks like he's in a pond. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It it, it clearly did not film it where it was at. But isn't that guy in the boat one of those guys that's always the hapless dude in a Bond film. <laughs> it could be because he looks familiar, but I've never seen him in anything I can immediately recall. I should do some research and try and find out who that actor is and what he's been in. Just see, if, he just, just see if he's the hapless, hapless guy. guy in every movie. <laughs> <laughs> It would be hilarious, actually, if, if it's the um, assistant director who who's in the Spy Who Loved Me, mm-hmm. who looks at his drink and then re- and was. then reprises his role in, I believe it's Moonraker, where he looks in his drink again. See, I feel like I've seen that guy in Bond movies before, so I just feel like is this that guy? Because he never has any speaking parts. It's just sort of like, what the heck? In right. the heck is going on? I mean, they do love to have reappearing. I mean, it's like a Michael G. Wilson type thing. Sure. Possibly. Who knows? <laughs> so at this point, Zorn and Scarpine are out. And then we see that Stacy has made it out. Meanwhile, we go back inside the mine and Bond and Mayday are now stuck in high water. And you can tell now that they both sort of just accepted the fact that they both ha- have the same fate. Right. And Mayday accepts that she's been had. And she's super pissed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and she's like, I thought that idiot loved me or whatever she says. I can't remember right. exactly. But meanwhile, it cuts back to Zorin Scarpine and Dr. Mortner as the blimp is being blown up. They're getting into the the, the bottom part of the blimp. It's just so <sighs> funny the way this thing just inflates. Like, they're like, no, like no blimp actually does. <laughs> like, there's no way that it's like a scrunched up thing like something... Like this it, is this is another one of those moments where I feel like this came out of a bubblegum pack, even though it's right? built to house many people. It's like it's <laughs> like watching a bouncy castle start <laughs> and then just inflate into a bouncy castle, except it's a blimp. Do you know how much helium you have to put into a blimp? How many hours it takes to probably yes. get those things yeah. ready? And to get it pressurized. <laughs> There's a whole structure inside that balloon. It's not like it's just a balloon. There's a frame. You can watch. I mean, unless unless it's not technically a blimp. Now, And it's I- a dirigi- It's a straight-up dirigible. It's not a blimp. It's just a big hot air balloon. <laughs> but still, it doesn't fill up in three and a half minutes. Excellent. So, <laughs> at this point, uh, Bond is <laughs> working out with Mayday how to get out. They pass by Jenny, dead. Wah, wah. Yeah. Bye-bye, Allison Duty. By Allison Duty. We'll see you again in Indiana Jones in 1989. Yay! <laughs> so then we see Zorn flying away. Meanwhile, 
Bond and Mayday are now in the main mine area. And we get this. There's a lot of intercutting back and forth here between yes. Bond and the mine and then back to the blimp. Mine, blimp, mine, blimp. But there's a weird friggin' moment in the blimp where it's almost like a father-son moment yes. between Zorn and Dr. Mortner where they're looking out over everything. And it's like, gonna work. <laughs> and he, Dr. Mortner, puts his hand on his son quote unquote son's shoulder or whatever and like they're just like ha, 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 we're gonna rah, rah. And, and like, to the point where Walken actually reaches back behind him and, and like and hugs half him? hugs him. Yeah. yeah it's it's weird. It's it's, it's weird. creepy. Yeah it's creepy. It's like got a, a touch of creepy Nazi this is my science experiment. Ha uh-huh. ha he's anyway <laughs> Moving on. A little more boys in Brazil than I'm comfortable with in the James Bond movie. (laughs) So then we see Bond and Mayday, and they're working together to lift the bomb out of that pit where all the explosives are. Mayday's like, get on, damn it. And she becomes like. She uses that super strength. Yeah, she uses her ultra super strength to like bring him and the the thing down so he can attach it or whatever and while he's down there bond is like we'll just take the bomb up and then send it back down for me or whatever and she's like no this is she just hercules is <laughs> and it does bring up an interesting question zorn didn't have enough money to put an automated winch <laughs> you know just gonna blow it up anyway it's a waste of money i'll just hire just five guys to do it or mayday yeah strong guys i've got all these chicks running around like a bench press a kgb agent just use them so she pulls up both bond and the bomb back up and they load it on the cart and then they try and push it out and of course the handbrake slips Uh. so it stops and this is another one of those moments too where like and i hate to bring up no time to die but it is it does feel a little reminiscent of of that in the sense that mayday while she does jump on the cart to keep it from breaking she seems to needlessly sacrifice herself. Yeah. Like, she's already out of the mine. Why not just jump off at that point? Right. Well, I think, you know, obviously she got on there because the handbrake had to stay open. But the level of explosion that thing should have generated, she would never have been able to get free of an actual blast like that. That's true. Bond technically shouldn't have been able to get right the level they needed to set that off at. So... Well, and the other thing, yeah, the other thing is, is she could have been thinking that this this bomb needs to get as far away as humanly possible from the mine. Yeah, so you don't get any So you potential. don't reignite all the explosives. Yeah, because all that stuff down there was ammonium nitrate. <laughs> it's, it's, you right. know, it's fertilizer, but, you know, key ingredient for bombs. <laughs> right. So she jumps on the cart and sacrifices herself. <laughs> so that's strike one and stacy sees bond and yells for him but then <laughs> then he swoops in and- <laughs> so he swoops down in a blimp to pick up stacy which is so weird i'm not even sure why at this point like and just you know conveniently nabs her <laughs> and she's completely oblivious that's the other right, part of- right. completely oblivious to what's happening behind her and bond's like Stacy, there's, there's a fucking blimp behind you. So anyway. Or it may just be a straight up dirigible uh, hot air balloon. We're not right. sure, We're but not. Uh, here it is. <laughs> so, it's behind you. So yeah, so they get Stacy, and then Bond like chases after, grabs onto the mooring rope, and then hangs for dear life for a long time. Oh my gosh, <laughs> such a long time. If this was an Mission Impossible movie, Tom Cruise would have been hanging on that rope for a long time. <laughs> a long, long time. So then they head towards the Golden Gate Bridge because why not? Let's you're in just... San Francisco. It's what you do. <laughs> yeah, and you want to get. You're trying to shake Bond off the ropes. So let's go over some tall buildings and, well, and, and, how about, and fly low. And how about and, Christopher Walken giving directions to Scarpine? Yeah, you know, <laughs> bring it right, right, rudder. <laughs> yeah, I know. More! Give it more! More! Power! <laughs> we get the more power line a little later, but... Yeah. I don't... I feel like there's no point in any of this part of it. No! There's no point... Because his plan is already foiled. Right. He could have just End of left day. without Stacy and escaped. Right. Just cut his losses. And try it again. Yeah. And instead... Nope. I'm, <laughs> I'm it's time gonna, for revenge. It's time for revenge because I'm a psychopath. So then they they fly Bond over 
They go low over tall buildings, and that's, of course, when we get number five of... (laughs) Known as the Wilhelm Blimp Scream. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So, and I love, too, this is right when we see all these shots of, like, civilians in downtown San Francisco seeing the blimp. And then, of course, of course, they cut back to the cop. Copy McCopy face. Copy McCopy face. Not paying attention to what he's doing. Looks up at the blimp and then rear ends into the guy in front of him because Mm -hmm. it's... 1985 and American police officers are clearly idiots. (laughs) That's right. So, so then, uh, then Zorn tries to slam bond into the golden gate bridge, but in the process, James is able to tie the mooring rope to the bridge. And that's when we finally get the more, more More power. power. He's like trying to break free. (laughs) Nothing's working. But then the rope slips and knocks Bond off and hang by a mooring rope again. Oh! Oh! <laughs> oh! Oh! It's actually, I believe that's the double O, actually. Because the, there's, I, I, I'm pretty sure the last one is the double O, where he goes, oh, oh! It was kind of interesting, too, because it <laughs> actually... So if that was six and seven, then wouldn't it be the... The 007 that, that, will help scream. Oh! <laughs> the 007. And now that's its official name is the 007 scream. That's uh, There we go. <laughs> Case closed. The double oh, 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 seven scream. So at this point, <laughs> Stacy decides to get sneaky sneaky and she uh, kind of gets past the doctor and attempts to stop Zorn in the cockpit. And that's when things kind of get crazy and the whole blimp crashes into the top of the bridge kind of like swings around yeah. or something and then Zorn <laughs> I love this part because Zorn orders Scarpine to go after Bond and Scarpine's like what, me? <laughs> like he's like really like I don't I really don't want he's like get out there <laughs> go like, what do you so, think your job was here? <laughs> exactly I just mowed down a hundred people with an Uzi you're lucky I didn't shoot you right exactly so you should be a job <laughs> so but then uh, Stacy knocks him out and escapes. So that's when Zorn grabs the fire axe from inside the blimp. Right. <laughs> and then we get this this fight on, on top of the bridge, which I will say that wide shot is spectacular. Yes, it is. Of that of that fight between Roger Moore's stunt guy. <laughs> and Christopher Walken. And Christopher Walken stunt guy. That fight scene is pretty spectacular looking. Like it's with the cars going below. It mm-hmm. is obviously a real thing that we are looking at. That I mean, kudos to that though. Like especially watching it now, and like I was like, holy shit, they they really <laughs> shot this. <laughs> this is really actually being done. <laughs> Makes me wonder if they used a blimp to get up there. <laughs> So uh, Bond, of course, finally gets the better of Zorin. And (laughs) as his hands are slipping, he's laughing. Yeah. Yeah. He laughs as he falls to his death. Commits to the bit all the way to the very end. (laughs) No, like, scared. Just, no, he's just laughing about it. He's just evil, maniacal laughter on the way down. So Zorin's dead, but uh, we've got one more person to deal with still. But then, of course, uh, Stacy starts screaming again for some reason, <laughs> asking for more help. Right. I don't even, honestly, I don't even understand why. Like, it looked like she was fine. It, it really looked like she was underneath the thing and she had a foothold and I don't know. So anyway. <laughs> <laughs> like being stuck in the elevator. She was just terrified of her circumstances. Yeah. So he tries to help, but then Dr. Mortner starts shooting and then Bond goes underneath with her. And again, this almost proves that she was fine because he's like, well, just stay here. Right. <laughs> like she's clearly just fine. Yeah. So then he goes back or yeah, I think he like tries to go back. It's all very, it's all a blur it, at this it, point. It's a bit of a blur at this point. So <laughs> all I know is that for some reason they have dynamite on their blimp. <laughs> on a blimp. They have a fire axe and dynamite. Fire axe I get. Yeah. Dynamite I don't get. <laughs> Why would you, especially if it is in fact a hot air balloon and not a blimp. Actually, either way, why would you have dynamite anywhere near helium on something flying, (laughs) whether by air or by sea or by whatever? Why do you have 
bundles and single sticks of dynamite <laughs> on anything. I mean, maybe they just picked up a, a bundle of it from the mine and said, well, maybe, who knows, maybe we'll need this. Rainy day. Rainy day event. So the crazy doc, who, again, this is that part, too, where, I, where he, he literally has fallen down and he can't walk a single step without that monocle. Right. Like, like the whole world is blurry if Shaggy, he doesn't have the monocle. Scooby, where are my glasses? <laughs> so he gets the monocle and he gets the he gets the dynamite and he lights it. But before he can throw it, Bond uses the axe to cut away the mooring rope and sends the blimp back into free air just in time to blow up. Of course. Of course. Of, like, like you do. Because he's James Bond. Hell yeah. He saves the day. Every time. Well, in this era, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Which I'm okay with. (laughs) Then we cut to sort of the epilogue or whatever. And uh, Gogol is in the office of MI6 and wants to give Bond the Order of Lenin Medal for stopping Zorin, the first ever Brit to ever receive such an a thing. <laughs> but where's Bond? I would like to give it to him personally. <laughs> and then, of course, nobody seems to know where Bond is, and that's why we then see Money Penny crying. Which, anyway, <laughs> not my favorite acting moment from uh, Lois Maxwell. But anyway, no, and you would assume that she's going to know where James is. She's good. She's everybody knows. Uh, where yeah, James everybody is. knows where James is. So, uh, cut to Pusher. Um, Pusher. <laughs> so, we see the cat door, and in comes Q's little surveillance thingy, and uh, we get the Ugh. most creepy... <laughs> we get the most creepy peeping Tom moment in the entire... Maybe in the, the entire, entire... Bond franchise. Yes. Really, that's the take you went with. The, the, the really mm-hmm. creepily satisfied Q finding Bond and Stacy in the shower... And then Bond throws the towel on top of the little camera. And, and then, of course, we get the, oh, James, <laughs> to end. And thankfully, then, the movie is over. <laughs> then the movie is over. And even I, who I do like this movie. I do. I like this movie. <laughs> but at this point, I'm ready for the movie to be over. Because mm-hmm. Man, this that last... It is the longest two hours I think I've spent on a movie in a long time. Honestly... Because it felt like two movies. It, it did. And, and again, like all the investigative stuff about what Zorin's trying to do, yes. it kills the pace. Which is hilarious, given how many things happen in this movie. Yes. All the hijinks and like the high action that happens. You would think that after watching that, it would feel like you've just watched this whirlwind thing. Yeah. But, the, but that middle section where they're trying to figure out what Zorin's doing with the pipeline and all that stuff, it just bogs it down. Yeah, yeah. It's the underwater sequence in Thunderball it, version. It absolutely is. I mean... We talked about this before, that you could have lopped 30 minutes off of this movie. Oh, yeah. Of that nonsense. Mm-hmm. Clearly defined what the plan was up in the blimp. Right. And been done. Yeah. With all of this interstitial nonsense. Yeah, I don't know how you get James Bond to drive a fire truck without setting a building on fire. But I, <laughs> if you gave me 10 minutes, I could figure out a way to write that into the script. Right. This movie at an hour 45, hour 40, would have been fabulous. Oh, absolutely. You could have it, crammed all the set pieces in. It would have felt very quick and linear and much mm-hmm. more like a James Bond movie. Yeah. And less like a... I don't even know what to call it. Because if you took all of this out and trimmed it down... It's like a modern Mission Impossible movie. It kind you of is. You got your set pieces with a more or less decent plot in between mm-hmm. to get you from point A to point Z. This one was just like, I don't know, we were going into like Roman numbers and lowercase <laughs> letters. Right, right. The outline got really in-depth. Right. <laughs> and so that that is the one thing that, or make it two movies. Yeah. A view to a kill part one and part two. Like, right. Like uh, you kill Bill, view to a kill. Bill. I don't know. But you could have had one section, then another section. It's sort of like our review, if you yeah. think about it. We indeed, literally indeed. had to take two parts to do it because the movie's like two movies. It really is. I think about everything up until 
Oh, let's see here. It's really like the fact that you go from the all the horse racing stuff, from there, all this stuff beyond the microchip talk that still has a connection to the horse stuff. Mm-hmm. Anything after that just feels like just extra. It feels like the second movie. Right. Like the, the city hall, the, the mine. Even though we're trying to figure out what his plan is during part you know, the first movie. Right. <sighs> you could have, you could have even made it like the first movie could have been the EMP MacGuffin. Right. And it didn't work. Right. So Zorn comes back. I have something even better. <laughs> what if, what if we make I, a double earthquake? <laughs> <laughs> I think we can do it. <laughs> I own the property. <laughs> I mean, as far as final thoughts go, do I think this is a great movie? No. Do I enjoy <laughs> Do I enjoy it? I do enjoy it for about an hour and a half. <laughs> and then the last half hour, that's when I start need to drink. Right. I, I need to start drinking. Once I'm about an hour 15 in, it's time to like at least have one drink down (laughs) and then keep them rolling. Yeah, absolutely. Because if not, I'm going to start to be like, why am I still watching this? (laughs) But but if I'm two drinks in, by the time Bond is hanging from the ladder and we get the back rear projection, then I'm going to be laughing my ass off having a great time. You're going to be loving it. I'm going to be loving it. (laughs) Yeah, I remember. So I remember when this came out and, you know, I I think I've said before on the podcast that, you know, my grandmother was kind of got me into James Bond, watching mm-hmm. the Bond movies on TV and everything. Um, and that uh, a view to it. Moonraker was the first one that I saw in the theaters. But For Your Eyes Only is the one that I remember more or less vividly as my first Bond movie because I watched it in heavy rotation on mm-hmm. cable when it came out. Right. So when this came out in 1985... There were a lot of other movie choices to watch that wasn't James Bond. <laughs> Back to the Future I, I would be the the most immediate one, right? But and um, the year, but wasn't when did eighty four? When did Raiders like, wasn't Ra- it? Raiders was eighty one. Oh okay. Um, God, Temple I... of Doom was eighty four. So yeah, we were deep into Indiana Jones territory. Right. Star Wars was over. We were lamenting that, right? But this thing comes out, and I swear to God, if it hadn't been for the Duran Duran music video, I wouldn't even have gone to see this movie <laughs> in the theater because it James- does help. It, it does help. And, and the video, I, I think I said on the last podcast, I thought the video was the better ver- version of this movie, to be honest with you. But I have no real fond memories of this movie, but I have no bad memories of this movie either. I just right. remember it being, even at my tender teenaged age at that right. point, it just felt like a farce of itself. <laughs> See, I was young enough mm-hmm. when this came out that I have very fond memories of sure. it. Because, I mean, I was 11. So at 11... You watch this movie and it's the greatest thing ever. Oh yeah, for an eleven-year-old, it's awesome. For a fifteen-year-old who has a little bit of movie right. intelligence right. behind it, you're just like, why is he being such a just an <laughs> obvious ass on everything? It's it's like Roger's like so tired of doing all this. You, no, but I you just know need what? To be finished. The, you know what though? He's so good at it at that point. Oh, that it's so, it's, it's second nature. It's yeah. second nature, Absolutely. and it still hits. They still hit most. Like I would say that ninety percent of his like Bon Mots work because he's so they're so effortless at this point. They're effortless and not not even deadpan. They're just sort of like a propos. They're not throwaway, but they're throwaway in the sense that like you get the feeling that he's got a million of those right. like saved in the in his brain that he could right. just launch at any time and like I'll just throw this one out now. Absolutely. He's basically the ultimate dad joke warrior, right? <laughs> but he, he you know, and he's probably got a lot of kids rolling around out there, we don't know, but uh, <laughs> nobody gets to benefit from the wisdom of those dad jokes. So he has to use right. them while he's out in the field. That's right. Got to do it. But I mean, you know what? It is what it is. Even Javier Bardem would have had a run for his money in my mm-hmm. assessment. Feeling, sometimes I wish that like halfway through a movie shoot when they realize they've got a real good actor on their hands mm-hmm. and go, you know what? What if we switch? What if we change the script? To make it the, ambiguous. As to make you, amb- yeah, to make it ambiguous as to whether or not this person lived or even just write them flat out getting away somehow. Yeah. Oh, you could do this very easily by having the blimp crash into the ocean and then blow up rather than blow up and crash into the ocean. Right. Because then you don't know if Zoran got out or not. Right. So, and I honestly, some point in time, they're going to remake this movie because they're running out of Bond stories. So, if they're going to recycle, <laughs> I would love to see how this is done in a modern interpretation of this movie. Yes. With, with a, somebody with a that's very a, Elon Musky. Yes. Somebody maybe with a little more character than Mr. Green in Quantum of Solace. Right. But quirky 
Yes, and some, some walking esque, walking esque in nature, just sort of like odd. Choose a peculiar actor. Yeah, and mm. I think they tried to do that actually. Really no time did. to die. Yeah, 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 yeah. With uh, with Rami Malek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, because Rami Malek in and of himself is a little odd, a little and he unique. played the character very odd and unique. Yeah, I think they even did it with Javier Bardem and Skyfall. Yes, and it worked. It worked because he's the best Bond villain ever. <laughs> Hands down. I, you know, we're going to have to have an episode about that because I'd have to actually sit down and think about it if I was to rank Bond villains. And I don't... Top three right off the top of your head. Top three off the top of my head top right now? Head. Right now. Right, right now. now? I can do it. You can do it. We can do it. Uh, I'll give you a second. I'll do mine. Obviously, Silva, then Zorn, then... Blo- uh, not Blofeld. Uh, Goldfinger. I would say... I would agree that Silva and Zorn... Are definitely in the conversation. I will say I really like the Telly Savalas Blofeld in <laughs> Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Maybe my favorite Blofeld. I really do like that one. Um, well, actually, my favorite Blofeld is Mike Myers. But anyway, move on. <laughs> Lauren Michaels as Blofeld. <laughs> well, we'll think about it. Maybe yes, somebody will throw in an, an Intel report at some absolutely, point. Absolutely. Because I need to go back and really You, you and have more of, nuance to it. I go based yes. off of what I remember from Because I'm suddenly paging through the Pierce Brosnan library trying to remember. Because honestly, I might have to say Electra King from The World Is Not Enough. She, because she's the true villain in it. And she's a right. Bond girl. And right. she's deadly and and bends bond to her will with her with her beauty and her allure and she's crafty and she manipulates the other guy she's probably high up there on my ranking and i know she just your types and she's crafty (laughs) you know she's always down (laughs) if you're listening to this podcast and don't know that reference we may not be the podcast for you (laughs) yeah if you don't know that (laughs) reference you might want to ask your parents and then you might want to listen to the entire beastie boys catalog and then get back to us absolutely we'll be here we will be here because despite Our tens of listeners, remaining tens of listeners at this point in time, yes. we continue to persevere. That's right. We will keep going through the chum-filled waters of <laughs> spy movie and secret agent pop culture. Yes, indeed. But uh, if you like what you're listening to, if you're if you're feeling our vibe... <laughs> if, if, you're, if you're liking what the rocks are cooking here. <laughs> if you're liking what the rocks are cooking, please, 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 why don't you uh, maybe go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from and give us a glowing, effervescent, sparkling, sparkling, shiny, shiny five-star review so that the uh, algorithm works more in our favor so that more people see our stuff and can get in on this. On this business. On this business we got. But uh, if you want to interact with us, uh, please feel free. We've got email at cicdeaddrop at gmail.com, on Instagram at uh, Central Intelligence Cinema, spaced by underscores, or on Twitter at CIC SpyPod. So please interact with us. Let us know how you feel. Let us know your thoughts on A View to a Kill. And uh, also, hey, while I'm talking about listener interaction, I made a new t-shirt. You did. It's a pretty fun t-shirt, I it's, think. It's kind of spiffy. I kind of like it. It's got kind of that old school Beatles Helvetica type thing going with our uh, our coveted three M's, the Missions Martinis. And Mayhem. And Mayhem with our, uh, our shiny badge of honor on the back in a very small, very appropriately sized on the back of the t-shirt <laughs> up to the top. I know what I'm doing. I know how to design t-shirts. You may have put a little bit of thought into this. I may have thought about this a little bit. Well, why don't you tell them where they can get it? Well, Jason, uh, you can get that in the super conveniently placed link at the bottom of the description of this very episode that you're listening to. So if you look at your handheld device and you navigate to the description of this very episode, maybe even as you're listening to it, scroll down to the bottom. There's a little link there. It takes you right to our merch store. And you can check out the new t-shirt I just created, plus uh, a couple other things in there. Who knows? There's a mug. There's some other stuff. You might find something you like. So uh, check it out. So if you can put it on something. So if you feel. got it on there. <laughs> so if you feel, if you're feeling like you want a bit of CIC merch, it's out, it's out there. And uh, and then I've got some free merch that, you know, if you send me some feedback, I might have to you know, send you a sticker or something or a keychain or a magnet. I have magnets. Ooh. Magnets. You could generate a magnetic pulse for causing an EMP. <laughs> oh, God. On your microchips. I think it's officially time to leave, don't you? <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, I am Ben. And I'm Jason. And the CIC will return with more missions, more martinis, and more mayhem. Mayhem.
Ooh. Mm.